0: is on scene Welcome to Voice of the Blue. I am Royce, your host, bringing you an intimate look at the men and women of the law enforcement profession through their service, their stories, their lives, and sometimes through their own words. We bring you these stories in order to show you the human face of the law enforcement profession, to help you gain a better understanding of those who stand on the blue line. This program is brought to you by the American Police Hall of Fame in Titusville, Florida. You can check them out at APHF.org. Or better yet, if you have the opportunity, visit the American Police Hall of Fame at 6350 Horizon Drive in Titusville, Florida. See the work they do there for the families of the fallen officers across our land with scholarships, Christmas and birthday remembrances and gifts, and much more. Be sure to visit the museum while you're there and see the various exhibits that tell the history of the American police profession. In particular, the Officers Memorial, where the names of thousands of America's finest repose there on granite walls. Visit the shooting center, handgun and machine gun rentals. Make it a day out at the American Police Hall of Fame in Titusville, Florida. Got a special guest for you here today, joining me live at, well, it's not really live, of course, this is a recorded podcast, but out here live with Miss Linda Williams, who is a retired Secret Service agent. And a lot of people don't realize that that is also part of the law enforcement profession. Would that be a safe guess?
1: It is, Well
0: uh, Great to have you here today, Linda. I really appreciate you being here on the program. So you are now retired from the U.S. Secret Service since 2017.
1: That is correct, and thank you first of all for having me. But absolutely, I did almost 30 years with the United States Secret Service from 1988 to June 2017.
0: So do you miss it at all?
1: I miss the people, but thank God for communications that I stay in touch with those that are still very close to me. But I did that, done that, wore the t-shirt and created another one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. Now you enjoyed your retirement there in good old Tennessee.
1: That is correct. Well, good good for
0: you. Well, is the profession as glamorous as Hollywood makes it out to be?
1: You know, it's funny, I have to tell my students I am now a professor of criminal justice at Middle Tennessee State, and I get asked that question often. I say don't believe Hollywood. Hollywood put a spin on it, um, but some of it is accurate. Some There are some glorious days and there are some not so glorious days.
0: Yeah, I believe that too. Well, it's uh, really cool to meet you. Uh, uh, most people think of Secret Service agents as all men, all in black suits, wearing dark sunglasses with little communications wires hanging around their ear and jogging beside the presidential limo. Uh, but there's so much more to that I'm finding out when I started doing a little research on what the Secret Service actually does. But you were apparently one of about 25% of the workforce there at the Secret Service who were female agents.
1: Absolutely. And I'll say it uh, since I can, Yeah, everyone has a stereotype and throughout my whole career people never believed that I was a Secret Service agent. They say, you don't look like a Secret Service agent. I say, what do a Secret Service agent look like? (laughs) So of course, they white male, six foot two, blonde hair, blue eyes. And here I am, five foot four, now a shaven head with a outspoken Southern personality. And not only that, I started out as one of the only females in my training class. To be one of the highest ranking individuals out of that class Just yes,
0: one of the only ones wow yeah I how was many the, were totaled that you served it was 24
1: with? in my uh, in my training class and i was the only uh, female uh, and i had two african-american uh, counterparts but yeah i was the only female
0: wow that's amazing i noticed that the motto on the secret service website is worthy of trust and confidence And the more I know about the United States Secret Service, the more I believe that to be true. You guys are called upon to really do a lot of uh, protective details and things for lots of people. And the more I see of that, the more I realize you guys can't have any biases towards any person when they need to be protected. You're there to protect them, and that's the mission, regardless of who they are. Would that be a safe assumption? Absolutely.
1: I like to use the motto: "You uh, you you elect them, we protect them," and we wear that <laughs> that, that 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 creed very uh, seriously. That we're honest and, and we worthy of trust and confidence. I tell people we're not angelic; we are human beings, yeah. but we are. Our integrity is everything to us. You know, it means something when we put on that badge, and we represent something more than ourselves. And for 30 years and it's still taking me time to you know decom- you know decompress that i'm no longer active uh, mm-hmm. because you're always on duty 24 7.
0: one of the things that i read on the secret service website uh, when they're talking about the mission that you guys perform on a daily basis is it says we have an integrated mission of protection and financial investigations to ensure the safety and security of our protectees, and apparently one of those protectees is our financial system. Um, talk about what you guys do to protect our financial system. What, what are some of the things that you do on a daily basis, your daily duties for that?
1: Contrary to the popular notion that the Secret Service was created in 1865 to suppress counterfeit. Yep. You know, after the Civil War, three fourths of uh, the money in circulation was counterfeit, and so the operatives. Identity was secret, and so that's thus the Secret Service. And so we uh, were tasked with that. So the financial infrastructure of the United States is still very much uh, under the purview of the Secret Service. Not until the assassination of President McKinley in 1901 that we come with the, uh, the obligation and the authority to protect. So we have a dual mission of uh, protection and investigation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, our investigations, of course, go throughout the world. I was fortunate that I served as the country attache on the continent of Africa for three years. Because the U.S. currency is is accepted worldwide. And so I I led that that office there in Pretoria for three years and uh, did some amazing work they're what our national counterparts
0: well that's i didn't you just don't think about the scope of that job going that far that's amazing we Again, have quite because, a few yeah, the worldwide
1: absolutely
0: that's incredible that's really cool stuff it yeah is. i know originally i was reading that the secret service was under the auspices of the internal revenue service originally uh, or was directed by them? Is that correct?
1: It was under the Department of Treasury. Now, of oh, course, okay. I, IRS had a little, you know, say so, but we we were originated under the Department of Treasury. Okay. Then after nine eleven, uh, we transitioned to Homeland Security. Oh, yeah. However, we were very fortunate that the Secret Service was able to maintain its crest, our star, our emblem, Uh, and although we are aligned under Homeland Security, we were able to keep all our core values and that does include that investigative uh, priority as well as our
0: protection. That's good stuff right there. Now, it says also that you guys ensure safety and security Uh, at key locations and events of national importance, or uh, national significance, I'm sorry. What would uh, a key location example be where you guys would have to set up protective details?
1: So we call those national special security events. And those are things that have been uh that has been designated as such so i.e the inauguration no uh, and things like that uh after 9 11 actually the super bowl was designated as a nsse because of just the grandeur of it now normally it doesn't and it has not continued to be but when it's the scope of it when it has significant heads of states or you know our vips that are in you know in secession of our government uh, those and we work it collectively with other agencies, federal as well as you know state and our, our, our uh, municipal counterparts. Yeah. And everything that we do, we are in, you know, we coordinate with our local counterparts because it's a collaborative effort to make that 360 degree uh, circle around our protected uh, events and individuals.
0: Well, it probably would only make sense to do that because you're dealing with a local force that is already very familiar with every area of the city. Uh, they're a great source of intelligence and also a great source of, you know, just, hey, this is the bad area over here and this is this over here and, and here's, you know, things like that a would probably prime, help a lot. A huh?
1: prime example is what's going on right now in New York City. Uh, it's the national, I mean, the United Nations General Assembly happen every year and NYPD is the lead agent on that where we work partnership, but, you know, that they, that's a fine oil machine and a, we could not do it. They could not do it without us. We could not do it without them. You know, at any given time during hunger, that's 150 heads of states, and that's a well-oiled machine between the Secret Service and NYPD. Now, that does not mean we don't have other, you know, partners to come in but the leadership and the organization of ANGA is under the auspices of NYPD and the Secret Service.
0: Yeah, because you guys do more than just protect our elected officials, uh, like the president and the vice president and their families and such, but I was also, yeah, you protecting dignitaries from other nations, so uh, you guys got a big plate. <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta keep that thing full all the time.
1: Absolutely. So
0: um, what is there, is it pretty much the same I don't know if I call it format or uh, the same plans you would use to. Uh, protect our president versus uh, an incoming visitor, head of state sort of thing.
1: So the principles are the same, the The guidelines are the same. Now of course no one ranks higher than the president of the United States and we internally call that the show because no one's greater than that. So the assets are greater, the manpower is greater and so everything about that is on a most heightened uh, level. Now uh, we have dignitaries that are some considered high level and some low level. Now they all have a protective detail, but all the resources are not equally distributed because Uh it's according to that country, that intelligence, and of course the size of that country.
0: Wow. Uh, Just off the top of your head, how many agents total or would be involved with maybe safeguarding the president. I mean, we, just the ones we see, I'm sure, are not, not even close to the ones that are there total. Now, what, what kind of numbers are we talking?
1: About? Now, Rossi, I've been asked that question my whole career, and that's a secret that I will not tell Oh, okay. for security reasons. But uh, it's so many other than those people that you see out front because what you see is the protective detail. Right. But there are so many uh, moving parts, you know, from transportations to intelligence to... Uh, Every aspect of it. It is so many moving parts uh, to that. that. So uh, just for security reasons, we don't share Well,
0: I, I should have thought about that before no, I asked. No, I'm sorry. no, no. Uh, I'd be willing to bet there's multiple concentric circles all around them at all times. Absolutely. It time. would have to be. So, Absolutely. Uh, I uh, have had the honor of training with some very highly skilled people who were former uh, spec ops, military guys, and they have taught me a lot about just my own personal safety being out in public. I can imagine it's about... 300-fold when you are protecting a very important person that you have to keep alive on a regular basis. Absolutely.
1: Uh, And you think about the U.N. now that president is there. And then you have all of these other heads of state that have Secret Service detail. So it's a well-tuned machine that everybody knows the protocol, that everything comes after our president, but that these movements happen throughout the city seamlessly. And you know what? It's a prepared time that everybody successfully comes in and get out of it. You debrief and you wait for next year.
0: Well, what are some of the crimes that you guys investigate in the financial system and the financial world? What are Just besides counterfeiting, of course, what are some of the other ones that, uh, that would really grab your attention and say, hey, we have to check this out? So,
1: you know, um, it has changed just like anything else. Investigations evolved just like our economy and our society Uh, you stated when I first came in I used to do counterfeit um, uh, and every agent does counterfeit investigations but even counterfeit checks you know we used to get treasury checks that people used to get and we used to have to investigate that now we talking about identity theft fraud money laundering uh, skimming anything that deals with anything financial and it's just a gamut and I, I should say even in the last five years since I've retired um, technology has led uh, even further. So uh, you know, even during our during my career, we had retreading where they were actually training you on the various techniques. Uh, even if something as simple as identifying counterfeit money. You know, you're. A- as an agent, you are a trained expert to be able to detect that. But now, technology is such that it's some fine stuff out on the oh, streets. And so, we have to bring that into the lab and things like that. So, it's forever. We have to stay a step ahead or two. Uh, ahead of the bad guy, but it's ever evolving. And you know, our operations and our training division are, you know, it does not stop. It is not only just for the new recruits, but the agents in service that we are often brought back in, just, you know, stay abreast of what's going on in the investigative realm with all the myriad of financial things that can come against the United States.
0: My goodness, did you ever feel like you guys were playing catch-up all the time? Or did you were you did you did feel satisfied that you were a step or two ahead of the bad guy? You know
1: what, it depends on the case. and But you know, the reward is, and you had to take each one individually. Sometimes the bear gets you and other times you got to stroke the bear. But uh, I was pleased in the investigations that we did do and that came through full jurisdiction and you saw the bad guy pay for it and serve time for it. Um, But the criminal element never sleeps, but the Secret Service does not either. So you know, law enforcement is one of those positions that, you know what, you do it with heart, you do it with passion, Mm -hmm. knowing that you're making a difference, and that when you go to bed that night or that morning, that you've left the world a little better than when you got up.
0: Good for you. Well, obviously, you can look back over the day, and since you're a protectee Got home safe and sound. Absolutely. That's a successful mission.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Not on our watch is what we used to say. And so that was the that was the catalyst for success. That you know you got in, you know, without any incident. That the protectee came in, he or she did what they were, you know, scheduled to do, and then they got out unscathed and safely. And nothing was more beautiful than to say, "Wheels up." Uh,
0: good for you. So what got you into this particular line of law enforcement rather than a street beat or something there?
1: It's funny you should ask that. I never wanted to be a street cop, you know, nothing against it. You know, everybody has their own desires. But when I was a senior in college, I wanted to be FBI. An FBI agent came to my class and I told everybody I'm going to be FBI. Well, as things happened, I was not FBI. At the time, the FBI wanted you to have either three years full-time work experience or a specialized degree. Now, I was very smart. I had my, not my bachelor's, but it wasn't in accounting or economics. So uh, I packed up my pride. I went to Augusta, Georgia. Uh, I became a deputy sheriff just to get some law enforcement experience. Very and good. I still applied for federal agencies while I was going through that process. And lo and behold, God destined that the Secret Service recruited me out of Atlanta, Georgia. I moved, uh, they relocated me to Washington, D.C. I started my career as a uniformed officer. Mm-hmm. Now, I always had uh, you know, aspirations to be a special agent, but the uniformed division was recruiting at the time. And I said, if they just let me get my foot in the door. So <laughs> I did, You know, they relocated Absolutely. me. I worked uh, uniformed division for three years, got my career status reapplied and became a special agent. Uh, And so I did that for another 27 years. And I was blessed to retire as a deputy system director. And at the time of my retirement, I was preceded by others. But at the time of my retirement, I retired as the highest ranking African American woman in the
0: Secret Service well hats off to you all right good job thank you way to kick some butts (laughs)
1: hey and a paycheck too
0: (laughs) (laughs) and a paycheck too did it feel like a calling almost it is a calling it is
1: a calling you know uh, of course it is our life but i as i tell my students I, i told you i teach criminal justice Law enforcement is not something you come in to get rich. It is a passion. You know, you do it as something that drives you. And it has to be a calling mm-hmm. because a lot of time it's thankless. You're dealing with the underbelly of society. Mm-hmm. You're not dealing with the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts of America. Yep. You know, it's a different type of crime. It's white collar crime, but nevertheless, it's crime. And so the satisfaction is what you said. It's that drive that it is a passion mm-hmm. that you want to protect. You want to serve and you want to make the world a better place. So my satisfaction now is to sit back and look at it on TV and talk to some, and I still get a lot of calls um, from you know, the younger generation and those that have gone through, just to encourage them and re- let them realize that you know everything that you're doing is a building block and you'll look back one day and be very, very pleased, as I am, yeah. that it was a rewarding career.
0: Well, just about every police officer I've ever interviewed on this program has said the same thing. They felt that it was a calling. Absolutely. Uh, they, when, a lot of them didn't realize uh, at first that they were really drawn to it until they started. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, where has this been all my life? Exactly, you know? yes. And A lot of them were driven by a strong sense of morality, Absolutely. not liking to see and not wanting to see people victimized and feeling a calling to take that bad person out of society uh, is that is that pretty much the same thing that and was it was is your and it'll there? weed
1: you out because you know so it's so many people start in the career but you'll tell the ones that are passionate about it because you know and it is difficult it's challenging quality of issue lights have always existed particularly for I can say the Secret Service because you're on duty 24-7. Yeah. You work, shift, work, you travel extensively. It placates into your, um, your personal life. And so uh, it does, it will weed you out. But when you still persevere against all of those odds and you get that support system because your family realize that you know what, this is our calling because they are the wind beneath your wings and they are the ones that encourage you. So when I would get beat up and beat down, I'd fly home to Memphis, Tennessee. My mom was alive then, she will make my favorite meal and everybody, you know, you're a star and they feed you and build you back up and you go back out to conquer the world again. So most definitely, it's a passion, it's a calling Amen. and I'm glad that God used me for that.
0: And what was the favorite meal?
1: Oh, baked chicken. Cabbage candy, yam mur- macaroni cheese, and cornbread, and chocolate oh, cake. Oh my
0: word, that sounds so good. <laughs>
1: Ask me how I know this. <laughs> it was my standard <laughs> meal: baked chicken, cabbage, candy, yams. Uh, macaroni and cheese and cornbread
0: i'm a good old georgia cracker <laughs> myself i love that good old southern soul food i'm telling you give me a plate of colored greens and baked chicken my grandmother used to make chicken pie oh, oh yes my. it's amazing what parents. they could do with a bird <laughs> <laughs> telling the truth well what kind of maybe were they any harsh realities that kind of uh, hit you your first uh, few weeks on the job that maybe you made you feel like, am I cut out for this? Anything like that at all?
1: So, you know, I can see where it could. You know, I had um, come through a sheriff's department. So right. I had been exposed to law enforcement, although, you know, it's an open profession, but it is predominantly male. Mm-hmm. And so I had gone through, you know, being the difference, being that different person, being our only woman. But uh, I remember when I left the sheriff's department And um, my captain, he told me, and I I had gotten accepted to the Secret Service, he said, you know what, Linda, one thing about you, you're unique. He said, now, physically, and that's not to say you're not stronger than some of your male counterparts, but physically, your strength is not your, your all, but your mind and your determination is gonna carry you. So you know what, I've always had that I believe. If you teach me, I can learn it. If you show me, I can do it. And uh, and then if you tell me no, then I'm gonna ask you why not, and go to somebody else that has the authority. <laughs> and so I just always said I, I I teased that I stayed in the confident line when everybody else was getting singing talents mm-hmm. or something else. But I've always just believed that you know through through God I can do anything. So Amen. I always try to be a change agent, you know, and I you. choose to be kind. I said don't let the don't let the cuteness fool
0: you. Yeah, uh, but, I wouldn't even think about
1: that. <laughs> but you know it, it was something that always and I still today I encourage others uh, and everybody's not cut out for it and you know and you have to have that strong constitution yes. to know that you can and you know and you exceed at the things that you can and those that you could not and I'll tell you a quick story now I was always book smart and so even in my class you know we had study groups so I would lead the study groups so the guys you know could learn but when it was time to do that time mile and a half run Never did I quit. And it was a couple of fellas slower than me, but those guys would come and run with me for my time. So, you know, uh, iron sharpens iron. When people see that you can Mm -hmm. and you have a a can-do and not give up type of personality, then, you know, people are willing to work with you. And I have Mm -hmm. taken that through my whole career.
0: Well, I'm not trying to uh, throw sunshine all over you, but when I first met you and saw you walking across the... Uh, museum floor there at the Police Hall of Fame, you do carry yourself with a great deal of confidence, but also with a giant smile. I do. So, uh, <laughs> and then when you gave me that Tennessee handshake, I said, this here is a strong woman right here. <laughs>
1: and you know what? I've didn't. i I've never denied I had a Tennessee accent, but now that I'm back in Tennessee, all my counterparts from Washington, they say, girl, you ain't got country. I said, that would be something.
0: <laughs> well, every time I go to Georgia and I get around my folks. I come back talking like this here and, <laughs> and someone will call me on the phone and I'll, they'll say why are you talking like that like what
1: I am that I am <laughs> I am that I am
0: Oh uh, well what would you uh, like any up-and-comers maybe some rookies who are thinking about entering the secret service profession what would you like for them to know and understand about the job that would help them make the transition into that, uh, into that profession?
1: So first of all, you got to know what the job entails. Do your homework. Yeah. You know, Even as I talk to students, investigate. You have the, 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 the uh, resources of the internet. You can talk to people. You can read. So know what the job entails. Mm-hmm. And then you have to apply yourself. And you, you got to know uh, what you can and cannot do. But when you have that vision, when it's in you, Don't let anything or anybody to deter you. I often say when God calls you, it's not a conference call. He talks directly to you. (laughs) And that was me. I never let anything that I could control control me. And even those times that I needed help, I never let pride prevent me from asking for help. And through that, and that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I sit here with this big smile and a wonderful memory a 30s glorious years with the Secret service
0: well I'll tell you what it's been an honor to interview you that's for sure I will ask you one more question sure. and then I'll turn you loose um, what is it that you might like the general public to understand about this profession that you chose uh, that you feel they maybe not they maybe they don't know or they don't understand
1: that you know not only just and I speak from being in secret service but law enforcement as a whole, We are men and women. We are an extension of your communities. We're the mamas, we're the daddies, we're the people at the football games, we're the people in the Sam's Club. We are people that chose this profession. And that, you know, you hear some negative things, but every day, our brethren's in blue, our brother and sister's in blue, and you know, brethren is collective, uh, in blue, that, you know, uh, we deserve that respect and honor because you can go to bed at night and be safe and confident in your sleep and knowing that the majority of men and women out there every day are doing it because they have the passion and that calling.
0: You mean you're human?
1: Very much so, with (laughs) lipstick and everything.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the purpose of this podcast, Linda, is to let people understand and help them understand, and especially in the face of uh, uh, just some of the things that have been said about law enforcement recently, Uh, people need to understand the human face. They need to understand these are human beings. They are our brothers, our sisters, our wives, our husbands. They are us. Absolutely. They are not you know, some subset of society. Absolutely. They are society, and we, they do deserve our respect. They, they deserve our support. Absolutely. And they deserve to be defended, too, when people stand up and say things about them they ought not.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so, well, and I usually close the uh, program with a prayer. Will you, would you join me in that oh, I'll be more than honored. All right. Our Lord God Almighty, in the name of your son Jesus, we ask you to protect those who stand on the blue line. Let not this day be their end of watch. May you watch over them as they watch over us, Lord. Keep your guiding hand upon them and bring them home safely to their families, we ask. In the name of Christ, amen.
1: Oh, amen.
0: And on behalf of the American Police Hall of Fame, Miss Linda Williams, retired Secret Service agent, myself and the producer, we thank you for joining us on this episode of Voice of the Blue.